welcome back to our conversation with Deborah Rue. This is part two of the podcast, so please, if you haven't already, do go back and listen to the first part. We'll jump straight back into the conversation now where we were starting to talk about working with global companies. Part of my role is that I lead the work that we do with our members and partners that are global. And I know that's an area where I guess your work and my work kind of cross over. So, I mean, you know the facts behind this, you know, over a billion people globally with a disability, many in developing countries where they're probably among some of the most disadvantaged in the world. So the power that multinational companies have to have a, you know, an impact, a positive impact through their employment, through their service provision through their supply chain it's just immense and you know we're starting to see the real appetite and a move from global companies to start to develop a more global approach to, to disability yes. inclusion it'd be great to get your thoughts on that you know if you have yeah. any positive examples you can share well i have a couple of great examples i remember being invited to go over to the kingdom of saudi arabia and talking to them and then learning about the work you were doing brendan over there to really support helping them create a networking group so they could help corporations and others, employers in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia include people with disabilities. And I was like, all right, now I love BDF even more because I started seeing that you're not just in the UK, you've really branched out. And then of course, we were both lucky enough to be last week at the Global Business Disability Network 2019, which was an awesome event. Congratulations to all of them there. And I remember Stefan Tremal, who leads the GBDN for the International Labor Organization. He came to me a few years ago and asked me to help them get U.S. companies more engaged in these global conversations. And we held two events and we worked really hard. We worked really hard and we only got four corporations to join in the U.S. And it's just, I mentioned the Valuable 500, which I think is such a brilliant thing. And I know you're a preferred partner with them, just like my company is. And why would we not want to encourage CEOs to get fully engaged in these conversations? It's good for their brands. It's good for our community. It's good for their business. But the international aspect, and we are all noticing, I'm, as you know, very active on social media. We're noticing the brand's that are paying attention to us. But if you're a brand that are actually doing a lot of work and in including people with disabilities and you're not talking about it openly on shows and books and on social media, uh, we don't know it. So you may as well be invisible to us and we'll decide ourselves what you're doing or not doing. So it's a very important for brands to tell their stories. And I know that's something y'all do really well at BDF, but it is so critical to think about this from a global footprint. It, it, once again, where's your footprint? Where are your customers? It needs to be done across the board, not just in the UK and the US. I agree. I, I mean, our members employ over 8 million people globally. Oh, isn't that so, amazing? It's, yeah, That's it's staggering. Think of the impact you're having. It, it's really, really great. And I know there are so many US corporations that have done a lot. They've done a lot and, and they're members of some of the groups that I mentioned and there is leadership happening in the U.S. But over the past few years, the U.S. has sort of left a lot of global conversations and it's very troubling to me as a citizen because we are one world 
and we've got to protect this earth, the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals, 11 of them are, we are impacted by. You know, people with disabilities are in 11 of those. So the UN is really trying to make sure we're included, and that's why it takes all of us, all the stakeholders. Uh, you know, and once again, that's why I love the model that BDF has, because you're encouraging the stakeholders to get included to be part of the solution, not just fixing it for their own company, but fix it in your company, be innovative, and then share it with others. And I love the sharing aspect of what y'all do. And it's great to see you flying the flag for the US in some of these conversations. You mentioned the International Labour Organization's Global Business and Disability Network Conference. Second, the congratulations to Stefan and, and Jürgen and, and, the, and the team there. And Valuable 500. We're also an expert partner and it's just having amazing success. I know that you're an ambassador of the Purple Light Up campaign as well, which is going to be huge this this year as well. I need to uh, clone Kate Nash and get her in the United States. She's brilliant. I keep saying, Kate, please come to the United States. Oh, that's right. I've been nagging y'all to do that too. That's right. Oh, I'll start now. Only because we have corporations that really want to do the right thing. They really do want to be innovative and they feel very lost right now. They feel like they're not getting support. I was at speaking to, and I'm not going to say the brand, but I was speaking to a, a very large global brand in the United States banking brand the other day. And they were really, really upset because they've done accessibility, built barrier wise, digital wise. They have, they're committed to employing people with disabilities and accommodating them. They're really, really doing the right things. They're doing financial literacy for people with disabilities. They're just an amazing brand. But they're really freaked out right now because now what's happening is as my generation, the baby boomers, as we're aging and we're all over the age of 55 now, 64% of us are expected to get disabilities. I mentioned my husband as one. And our AARP has said at the age of 65, 46% of Americans will have significant disabilities. We will have disabilities that impact our ability to access digital and built barriers as well. And that's now happening. That's happening. And so their high net worth individuals are really starting to struggle to manage their money, manage their finances, get what they need. Um, There's a lot of abuse, elder abuse. There's just some really huge problems that we all said, this aging tsunami that's come is going to really impact us. And it's here now. It's here and it's getting really big. And so all of the nuances of including people with disabilities, there's a lot of different nuances. They're starting to understand why they need to do it, not just in the U.S., because we're going to sue you, but their whole footprint, but that this is a nuanced conversation. And by the way, this conversation is about being human. And they're starting to really now see that and wanted to make a difference and yet they still don't have the resources they need to make this a reality. That will solve itself. You create a need and vendors come, but it is a huge problem. And Deborah, thinking about that sort of being human thing, I think kind of leads me on nicely to to a question. I know that you've got a thing or two to say about AI and some of the sort of positive aspects of it and maybe some of the things that are a little bit of a worry and the, uh, the things that we need to think about. Do you want to expand on that for us? Yes, that's, that's becoming a very, very important topic to me. I was the rector on the artificial intelligence panel at the GBDN conference, but it is artificial intelligence. I don't look at the dystonia, you know, type, you know, we're all going to die, even though I don't know, whatever, maybe, maybe the sci-fi people are right, but artificial intelligence 
it can really, really be an equalizer for people with disabilities. I had posted something about autonomous vehicles or driverless cars, which AI is part of that, you know, machine learning, deep learning, it's all part of it. And somebody posted, yeah, but you know, two people died from driverless cars that, you know, something went wrong. And I said, yeah, but over a million people die every single year around the world in car accidents, a million people. And so, yeah, that two people, that was horrible. Let's figure this out. And some of the studies we're seeing, like when a wheelchair is going in, the cars don't recognize it's a wheelchair and they run them over. And so they tweak it and then they, and then they run over them faster. So anyway, there's still problems with artificial intelligence, but it really, really can be wonderful, great equalizers. And in a lot of ways has already started adding value. Now the negatives are, you know, you have something like the exoskeleton suits, which are amazing for people with spinal cord injuries, but they're so expensive. And I don't want to take away from the people that manufactured them. They deserve to make money, but it's almost sad to have something that amazing that I just can't have because I don't have the money for it. That seems like that would break my heart a little bit. And then also there's some other risk with artificial intelligence that we must pay attention to. And luckily I was able to write up my concerns and give them to the ILO so they could put in a report, but we don't have good data sets for people with disabilities. People with disabilities have not been included in our workforce, in our society meaningfully. So we have poor data sets, we have bad data sets, we have unconscious bias, we have write-out bias, and all of these things are how the data is how we teach the artificial intelligence to learn. And then on top of it, we have all these privacy concerns. And in the United States, we know that some of our big corporations have done bad stuff with our data. We know this for sure. Mm. And um, not just in the US, but just looking at it through my US lens, now what's happening, we're starting to create laws in the United States that are saying you, during the setup of your voice technology, like an Alexa or a Siri or something like that, Google Home, smart home devices, during the setup, you would opt in to let the artificial intelligence listen. And of course, if the artificial intelligence is not listening, it's not collecting data, we cannot continue to program the artificial intelligence to do more to allow, my generation wants to age in place. We don't wanna to go to nursing homes. We wanna age in our homes. We don't want what happened to the generation before us. And we're not gonna allow it to happen, by the way, either. We still control the majority of the wealth. And so we demand that you're not gonna do that. But if our artificial intelligence can't learn through good data, good unbiased data, we're going to hurt ourselves even worse. We're going to lose the traction that we've already gotten. And it's a very, very serious situation. And, and we have the saying, nothing about us without us. And I'm going to think of her name in a second, but this terrific woman from Canada, she made a comment. Brendan, I don't know if you remember what she said. I thought it was so clever and now I'm going to forget it. But you can't have conversations without us, period. Yeah, she she hit a bridge to that famous phrase, nothing about us without us, to simply nothing without us. Nothing without us. Thank you. And it was so clever. I was like, she's so right. And so I think artificial intelligence, whether people believe it's going to kill us all or not, you know, it's going to be the Terminator coming in. Artificial intelligence is here. You can't put the genie back in the box. It is happening no matter what we think. It's already here. They, we already have talking robots, Sophia look up the Sophia robot. It is chilling. 
uh, in a way, if you think, believe what the sci-fi people predict, but it's already here, so we must join these conversations. We must make sure the data is not biased, and often the data is, and I have tons of examples, and I'm actually writing about this because I, I just think it's so important that we talk about sort of the facts of what's happening, the benefits, the risks, and the true facts, but getting good data and continuing to have data. And so if these laws in the United States start passing, other countries will do it as well, and the artificial intelligence can't learn. So that will hurt people with disabilities. As I said to the woman that made the comment about, yeah, those two people, I said, but a million people die every year of car accidents, and people like my husband who can't drive now, and my daughter who never could drive, this is independence for them. I mean, mm. uh, I often will hear people with disabilities be questioned, which they're not allowed to be asked this question in the United States, but well, you're blind. How are you going to get to work? You're not illegally allowed to ask that in the U.S., but they still do. Well, what do you mean? I have my driverless car. I get in and I get to work just like everybody else. Yeah. I was at an event with Caroline Casey speaking last week, and one of the things they said to her, what can we do to make these things better? And she was like, just employ people with disabilities because they'll be programming your AI and you know helping yes. that learn and thinking from it a diverse point of view to help make those improvements. And it's those diverse thinkers that will actually A, make your product better and more diverse and, and actually help to filter out some of the problems we have with AI when it goes wrong, when it becomes like completely racist or whatever it might be. So it's, a, it's about you know using those skills from those individuals. Yes, and, and we see that when you have a diverse team, they're more, your employees are going to be more creative, more innovative. And I have a story that I told in my book, Inclusion Branding. And I, th this story is from Sandy Carter, who uh, works at Amazon and is an amazing woman. But Mattel wanted to give a Barbie artificial intelligence. Yeah, you might know the story. It's, it's just such a to-the-point story. They programmed Barbie to answer questions from the audience, from the, the little girls, the little boys that are playing with it. And so the, at an event, a little girl asked, wanted to talk about employment to Barbie. And so Barbie said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the little girl said, I want to be a computer scientist. And Barbie said, have you thought about a career in fashion? So when the women were finished yeah. ripping their heads up, no, I mean, the women were furious. Yeah. But we found out it was a team of artificial intelligence programmers that were all males. By gosh, could you not find a woman with a disability, a woman with color with disability? Because as soon as you hear that, I, I hear you laughing, Lucy, because you immediately know what's wrong with that. Absolutely. Are you saying women can't be in STEM? What, I mean, there's so many. And so it was an embarrassment for them. And we use it as an example of why we need innovation and diversity. But yeah. I, I love the point that you made, because if you employ people with disabilities, or that Caroline made, if you employ people with disabilities, you already have diversity and innovation in there. And people with disabilities, the world is not made for them. It's not accessible. So they're natural problem solvers because they had no choice. Absolutely. And it's interesting you brought up Mattel as well, because I know that they've done a Barbie recently with a prosthetic limb. They're trying to be more diverse about these things. And what I think is, and it ties into your book about the, the sort of branding side of things, because even people who aren't involved in the disability world, they see that stuff and they're like, that's brilliant. Yes, that's really great. I really like that product now. And I'm, I'm seeing more adverts on television as well, more advertisements where people are using disability as the norm. And I think 
had such a positive impact, I think, for companies to be talking about this stuff externally. And people, whether they've got any connection or not, they just go, well, that's brilliant. Why? This is really great to see things more interesting, whether it's different size bodies, different shape bodies, uh, different hair different colors. Color skin. I know, all these things. And people really <laughs> kind of go, oh, that's great because I'm fed up of seeing these sort of six size girls and stuff because that's not what I connect with. And and I think they're getting smarter to this stuff. And I think exactly the stuff you're talking about with your branding and so on. So, uh, I know. And that's another brand that y'all have worked with too, is the, um, the Lego people, the Merlin Entertainment. They are doing wonderful things and totally including. And how powerful for, especially for the young people with these disabilities, to be able to have role models and see themselves. It, it is so innovative. And like you said, Lucy, everyone else loves it. And it's like, wow, what? Oh, that's a brilliant idea. Why didn't we do that already? It's exciting. And I know that you, you've touched a bit on the technology task force as well. And I know that you, you're a big fan of a lot of the stuff we do and bringing people together. And uh, a couple of names you've mentioned already, Paul Smythe and Neil Milliken are already part of that. Uh, Paul Smythe is actually one of our co-chairs. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm sure that you're aware of our accessibility maturity model that we've got. And I think it's just, I'm going to give yes. it a little plug here because it's free and everyone loves a freebie. Uh, but also just to kind of flag up with you that we, we've just revised it and it's just in its third iteration now. So we've done a little bit of rewording of it and tidying it up a bit because, you know, with all these things, uh, language changes, especially around disability and accessibility over time. So we've just done a, a bit of a revamp of that. And it is a tool I know organizations use on a global level as well. So I know Neil um, Atos uses that on a, on a global level uh, as, long as, as well yes. as others like Shell. Have you had any experience with other people who've, who've used the AMM or do you get any feedback or have you heard anything about it particularly? And I have. I've been tracking it for years. I love it. And I recommend it to people all the time because you have to have a framework. This is a really multifaceted moving things. And, and you know, you can get it all perfect, whatever that means. And then you just took on, you know, five new merger and acquisitions and those companies aren't accessible. And mm -hmm. so I love the accessibility model. And I think it's a really good framework that can be used anywhere in the world. And most companies, almost all companies are global. Even if, even companies like I've talked to several companies in the United States that mainly they just work in the U S but they have vendors outside the U S that they yeah. support. And so the global supply chain, everybody is using the global supply chain. So everybody really needs to think about this from a global perspective. And I love the accessibility maturity model. You, you should send me a link again to it so I can put out some information about it because it is a really, really good idea. And you know, the, often these corporations, they just don't know where to go. We'll say, well, go to W3C and W3C is great, WCAG, but be prepared to <laughs> it's not exactly usable is it it's yeah, you know you can't so like take data. yeah you can't take it off the peg and go right okay we know what we're doing tick 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 done it's it's yes. very complex isn't it yeah it's wonderful but all of your maturity model is built on what they need to know and also often i see with these corporations you don't have a big old accessibility team you know and a lot of it's collateral duties especially when they first start and so they have their, all these other jobs they're doing. And now you also have this. I hope you get it right, especially in the U.S., because if not, we're going to sue you. It's nerve-wracking for them. It's nerve-wracking for these corporations. So they need tools like this. 
And I recommend it all the time to clients. It's great to have your endorsement, Deborah. And I, <laughs> I guess it kind of loosely relates to the topic of technology. You know, one of the good things is that, you know, here we are be- between the three of us having a conversation from Spain, the US yeah. and, and, and the UK on for a podcast. And I can't let you go without really giving a huge kind of plug for your show human potential at work i'd love to hear a little bit about the history of it because that was really i i had listened to your show before i had met you and i remember our first conversation i was i said to you oh no i know i know who you are when you had introduced yourself to me you know you often accompany on my runs and you know my my flights and things like that so your show human potential at work i i love it for a few reasons so one is the breadth of the guests that, that you have i find it educational but i actually find it useful as well there have been more than one occasion where i have been working on a project or thinking about a particular problem and you have interviewed somebody that I have then reached out to and said hey I heard that you were interested in this because I heard you talking to Deborah Rue so it's been actually professionally useful to me as as well and I was chatting to a, a friend a mutual friend of ours um, very recently you mentioned him earlier Darren Rowan who works for, oh, for Lily I love he, him now <laughs> I just love him he's, he's awesome. wonderful I said, oh, well, you should check out Deborah's podcast because he, he likes podcasts as well. And I guess you have such a back catalogue now. It's kind of almost yeah. for somebody coming to your show afresh. I guess it's kind of like discovering Game of Thrones now that it's finished. <laughs> and like you can you can go back to the start and you don't have to wait for the next series to, to drop. Can you just summarize where did, where did the podcast come from? Like how long have you been doing it? What were you hoping to achieve with it? Well, thank you, Brendan. And thanks for the kind words. You, I remember that conversation. And it really touched my heart because it's interesting these days because there's so many ways that people consume data. It's hard to even know the real numbers of who's listening to your show. It's fascinating. And so I love when people are like, yeah, I've got a million. I thought, prove it. You can't prove it. So, but anyway, it's, the show is four and a half years old and um, well, really probably four, well, you know, it's four years old now because it, it's November. I've been doing it every single week since then. And like you said, I have a very interesting mix of guests. I've had CEO of Tommy Hilfiger, Yuri Scheinbaum on. I've had the president of Siemens, uh, Rob Neuhauser, who is amazing on the show. I've had Vint uh, Cerf, who was born with severe hearing loss and he cochlear implants and he's married to a woman and his two children both are deaf and or his wife is deaf I forget if all of them are but so he's brilliant and he's the father of the internet he created another gentleman the TCP and IP the internet protocol so that we could actually use the internet so brilliant man but then I also have people like you Brendan have been on and Diane um, has talked about BDF and I had just had a man named Kunal on talking about stuttering. So it's all over the place. There's a woman that, that was in Texas that went on vacation to Guatemala, fell in love with Guatemala, and now she's helping people with disabilities in Guatemala get employed while she was on the show. Royal Caribbean heard it. They're like, oh, we're in Guatemala. They reached out to her. So I really deliberately try to make it a global show talking about what's happening, who are the leaders, but I also have just everyday individuals. I had a young lady on, I think she's my youngest guest. She was 12 or 13 years old and she was a ballerina and she was a runner. And one day she just lost the use of her arms and her legs due to this very rare disease. And she's gotten the use of her legs back and her arms still, she still has problems with her arms, but she has this beautiful, beautiful story to tell. So it's a very mixed 
group talking about technology, tech for good, but it's a, it's a real mismatch, but it's all about disability inclusion because it's such a big topic. So I did it because at first I was being on podcasts and my producer finally said, Deborah, you need to have your own show. And even though I had access chat and access chat, AXS chat has been around for, we're about to celebrate December 9th, our fifth year anniversary. And every single week we do an interview and it's all cataloged on accesschat.com. So there's just tons of good content, but it's the same way with human potential at work. You have just such rich content and I'm so curious as my ADHD, I guess, but I'm always so curious about the stories and how do you do and how did this work? And what about this? And what, speaking of Rob Newhouse or one of the guests, he was talking about, they have five generations in their workforce, five generations. And so, and how they were trying to deal with unconscious bias and how they tweaked the way they were doing unconscious bias. And they found that all of a sudden their employment of hiring women engineers went up 45%. So I just am fascinated about these topics from all those different perspectives. And also sometimes I think we don't give enough the microphone to people with disabilities often enough. And so I'm always very eager to hand the microphone over to say, tell us who you are, tell us your story, help us understand. So thank you so much for your kind comments about it. It's important work that you're doing through that show and through Access Chat as well in terms of you know, documenting the stories from, from our communities, amplifying those voices, making those connections. So yeah, I urge anybody uh, who is listening to this uh, to seek out your show and, and Access Chat thank as well, you. which is a great show. I recently, um, I would say for like maybe the last two years, I have had so many investor groups coming to me they, and they paid me as they should. I have an episode about why do we think that somebody doing positive work should not be paid. Just because we're strategists for disability inclusion doesn't mean we should not be paid. If I was a security expert, you'd be paying me. But because I'm doing something good, yeah, we talk about that on the show, but investors are coming a lot and saying, wow, we know that this industry is blowing up and we want to invest money in it. And they're always asking me about, you know, how they should begin and the climate. What do I think? And I often tell them, go to Access Chat and look at the backlogs and go to Human Potential at Work and listen to the interviews. You want to understand this community. There are just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interviews out there. And it's rich, rich data. And it also sort of shows how we're changing and migrating as well. Deborah, I'm aware that um, you've given us an awful lot of food for thought today, and thank you ever so much for sharing. Uh, it's kind of it's just the introduction. I'm like, oh my goodness, how do you have time to do all these things? It's kind of, it's kind of really I'm old now, <laughs> but it's just awe inspiring in terms of the mixture and the and the breadth and the depth of stuff that you cover. So really great for you to share that with us. And I suspect some of our listeners will be wanting to know how can how can I get in touch with Deborah? As I say, you are a global brand. You know, you've been to China recently, Geneva. Saudi Arabia so you know you, you do a lot of travel and so on so how can people get best to get in touch with you Deborah? Oh thank you Lucy and I will tell you I really was excited when y'all started the podcast so I thought oh yay because we need more we need more of this and and also there's a danger of having you know and I think sometimes people forget this and they think they have to be the only one at the top and it's like no 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 we all have to be doing this this has got to be all of us and we have to 
we have to open the door behind us and bring in the young people with disabilities. And we all have to do this together. So I think it's really important. But my website is www.ruhglobal.com. And I am all over social media at Deborah Rue, D-E-B-R-A-R-U-H, and also Rue Global. And then I have an amazing team and they're all over social media. But if you want to find me, it is relatively easy. Um, you can find me on any social media medium at Deborah Rue, D-E-B-R-A-R-U-H. It's very important to brand yourself that way. And yeah. of course, my website's rueglobal.com. And I'm proud to be an ambassador for BDF. And I am I'm asked all the time to be an ambassador, and I very rarely say yes, but I say yes to organizations that are making a difference to this community that I am part of and that I care about so much and that really want to help. Do you want to help change the world? This is how we do it. So I am very grateful to be on the program, and I really am very appreciative of the work that y'all do. I really am because we're seeing change. It's exciting. It is. And, you know, I think there's such a fantastic synergy between what we do. And I think having that voice across the pond for us is fantastic as well. So, Deborah, thank you very much for your time today. And thank you for your ongoing support of Business Disability Forum. Yes, thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thanks, Deborah. If you enjoyed the conversation, please like, share and review the podcast and don't forget to subscribe. To keep up to date with all of our latest news, take a look at our website, which is businessdisabilityforum.org.uk.